Welcome to A Handful of Hope, where we bring you heart-to-heart conversations with heart-centered people. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of A Handful of Hope. I'm so happy and grateful to have Alex with us here today, who is the founder of Happiness at Work, a company that provides research-based consulting to help leaders and organizations identify opportunities and operationalize strategy that translates to elevated performance. Combining her 20 years of experience in business and research with her expertise in positive psychology, Alex works with clients to leverage the competitive advantage of a work culture that increases employee motivation, productivity, and retention. She's a host of the Positive Leadership Movement podcast and author of 25 Tips for Leaders, Leverage the Science of Happiness to Increase Performance, Productivity, and Profitability. Alex, welcome and thank you so very much for being here. Hi, Jesse. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. And I am so grateful and happy to be here. So thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely. This is really exciting because I feel like we keep missing catching up. So this was a good, convenient way to do it. And I'm excited to talk about happiness because I always find it so fascinating about what are the differences that make the differences for people. So I want to maybe just start with there. What are you finding in terms of the correlation to happiness to productivity? Is it becoming something measurable enough that we really are seeing that the happier worker is a more productive worker? Or is that still kind of like in the, well, maybe this, maybe the jury's still out on it? Great question. And the short answer is we know now that happiness actually precedes lots of different favorable outcomes, right? So a lot of the time we think that I'll be happy when, I'll be happy when I'm more productive, or I'll be happy when I get the job promotion, I'll be happy when I get the new car, the new house, whatever, whatever that when is for you. And actually that formula is backwards. We have to flip it. So basically we have to be happy first and then those things come. So The research has now shown after decades of looking at this that happiness precedes all kinds of amazing outcomes, whether it's in your personal life or at work, right? So happier people are more likely to have uh, better relationships, uh, longer lasting and more quality relationships. Um, They're more likely to get an interview for a job. They're more likely to get the job. They're more likely to be paid more. They're more likely to be better managers and leaders. And so there's just this litany of, you know, outcomes that yes, productivity is one of them, but there's so many others that if we can achieve a place of happiness first, that all these other things kind of fall into place. So instead of trying to fight the tide and say, I'll be happy when I get them, it's like, Mm. hang on, pause, let me be happy now. And then all these other things will come. Now, of course, you've got to take action, right? We don't just sit back and eat bonbons on the couch, right? And it all happens. But, but really, the happiness mm-hmm. comes first, and then the productivity, the performance, the money, the car, whatever it is that your thing is that you want in life. That's so fascinating, Alex, because when I think of the echo that I hear as you're, you're sharing of the, let's say, the average American, Mm-hmm. The dialogue when they come home from work is, I'm so unhappy at work. Or the dialogue, maybe the inner dialogue is when Monday morning comes along, it's, uh, when they hear the alarm, I can't believe mm-hmm. I have to go to work. And then it's, when it's Thursday, thank God it's almost Friday, then they get to get away from work. Mm-hmm. It seems like 
And is, is that a conditioning thing that we have in the sense that we've become so conditioned to attribute our happiness as it's a contingency with work, it's work's responsibility to provide happiness? Or is that an indicator of maybe there's an opportunity for us to really do our inner work on creating that happiness piece? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I, well, I think there's a little of both, right? I mean, if you are, and I have worked in all range of work cultures, if you're in a very toxic work culture, even if you're the most positive person in the world, that's going to be challenging for you to keep that positivity and sort of happiness around you when everybody else is kind of in a all the time, right? So environment is certainly part of it, but we do have a lot of control over the happiness, contentment, joy, whatever word you want to use, but let's call them positive emotions, right? Like being interested, being engaged, like all those are related to being happy. And we have a lot of control over that. And I think over time, just the way our society is, because we do tend to look outwards for solutions, right? Like I'll be happy when I get the new car, I'll be happy when I get the new job, right? Mm -hmm. It's an outward thing. We forget that all of that external stuff doesn't necessarily make us happy. Now it can for a little while, right? So you want the new car, you get the new car, you are so pumped and you drive around in it for like a week and you are like so excited about it. But the next week you're like, eh, so I have the new car, big deal. And you're looking for the next thing, right? That's called the hedonic treadmill. We're always chasing that hit, right? It's almost like we need the hit of happiness. And when we look to those external things, very often they're fleeting and we cannot actually sustain them over time. And so we end up in this cycle of I'll be happy when, I'll be happy when, and and you are happy momentarily, but then it's like, oh, so then you're looking for the next thing and you get it and you're like, yeah. And then, oh, and so you end up like a rat on a wheel, basically, right? The hamster wheel. And so what we have to look at are what can we do personally to control that and actually create, create our own happiness, right? Create it from the inside out. And there's multiple ways to do that. It's so fascinating. It's almost like the, the Christmas catalog of happiness, right? <laughs> and that I remember when I was a kid, every year they would send the Christmas catalogs off and you'd spend the time and I, as a kid, you didn't have, I didn't have necessarily the, the gift of hindsight to really appreciate this, but I can imagine that as I was going through creating these fantasies about how happy I'd be if I had these toys, and then of course looking at like the little models are, I can imagine the, the pressure that put on my mom to now being responsible as like a custodian of happiness, yeah. people, right? She's, she's seeing this, this almost Christmas catalog effect and her worth becomes attributed to her ability to go and buy those. I'm curious. So I, I can imagine like many, and you and I were talking beforehand. I found this absolutely fascinating that there's now, what did you say? Five generations in the workplace. Mm-hmm. I think that is so incredibly fascinating because I look at that and there's the, there's this, you know, I guess I would be in that middle of, I grew up and had a Christmas catalog and now there's gener- <laughs> <laughs> don't even know there's a Christmas catalog exists, right? You just got Amazon, right. you have uh, <laughs> targeted ads and retargeted ads and stuff that where you can say something loud and it pops up on your, your feed. So with, with 
so much of the consumer selling point of happiness being shoved in our face constantly, you know, right. arguably more than ever. And you had mentioned that creating happiness, creating joy, there's actually some simple things we can do. There's two parts to this question. Number one, how do we begin to separate ourselves from that almost, you know, I, let's just call it the Christmas catalog of happiness that we've been mm-hmm. trying to respond to. Right. And then number two, how do we, what are some of those simple things that we can start to do that we can create more sustainable happiness? Yeah, absolutely. So one part of that, so that how do we separate ourselves from the Christmas catalog piece is realizing that happiness isn't about us and doing things for us. It's actually other oriented. We get, and, and this has been proven in study after study, we get a lot more happiness in being altruistic and helping others rather than doing something for ourselves. So for example, if I have some extra money to spend, I could say, oh, I'm going to go get a spa treatment or I'll go get those you know, new Jimmy Choo shoes and I'll feel so good in them. And it is true, I will feel better, like I said earlier, momentarily, right? For a little while during it and after it, but it'll pass really fast, right? The Jimmy Choo's will end up in the closet. I'll wear them like twice a year and I'll wonder why I ever bought them, right? But if, we t- if, if I were to take that money and do something else with it, like, you know, put it towards saving an animal, like if animals are your thing, right? Like put it towards the animal rescue or maybe buy a gift for a loved one or um, put it towards some kind of experience with someone else. Like, Hey, you know, let's go to the movies together. Well, in real life, when you're able to go to the movies again, that is, (laughs) but when we do something that's for someone else and, and it can include us too, right? Like if I go and do the experience with someone that still includes me, I still benefit from it, of course, but we get a lot more joy out of that. So that's the first part is realizing that there's two different ways we can look at it. It's like, do I, you know, and we get caught because we're, we're looking for happiness for ourselves. We think, okay, I need to do something for myself. And that's mm-hmm. where you get stuck in the trap really easily, right? But we have to remember, no, actually helping others is going to bring me much more joy. Plus, when you do that, it has a ripple effect, right? Because the person that you do something nice for obviously enjoys that. And it triggers a chain. So that person's more likely to go do an act of kindness or something else, you know, pro-social altruistic for someone else. So we create this beautiful ripple effect by doing it and we benefit in the process. So that's the first part is that whole notion of self versus others. And then the second part that you asked about, like, what are some of the things we can do to create that happiness from the inside out, right? And from just a personal perspective, I mean, there's a couple of things that are so simple and they sound almost cheesy, but if you try them, they really, really work. For example, gratitude. I know you talk about gratitude. You're on like day whatever of your third year of, of, of celebrating gratitude, right? I think it's 1100 and what is it? I think it's over 1100 days of a, a row. Yeah. So you're in your fourth year of doing this basically, right? So you know this better than most people, but if we just even pause and we don't even, you know, if you write it out, that's great. You know, some people say write out three things every day. Um, You know, some people say, hey, write a gratitude letter and give it to someone or even in better, better, like 
actually meet with them and, and read it to them in this day and age, maybe on Zoom. Um, but you know, whatever way you want to practice gratitude, whether it's just thinking it yourself, just pausing in the middle of the day and saying, okay, I may be having a really bad day, but mm -hmm. what is like one or two things that I can be grateful for right now? And what happens is that the beauty of gratitude is when you actually make your brain think that way, you, mo you basically stop it from thinking about all the negative stuff because you can't be grateful and be angry, frustrated, resentful, whatever the negative emotion is you're feeling. You can't be those things at the same time. And when we take those moments to appreciate, okay, there's a lot that's wrong with the world right now. There's a lot of hardship that people are dealing with. But even in those moments, even in those dark, dark days, there's always something to be grateful for. So gratitude is a crucial one, okay? Another one is savoring. And I think that it's very, it's actually very close to gratitude in the sense that if you think about a moment in time where you had, you had a happy moment, you had a happy memory, um, you know, maybe it was talking to a friend on the phone this week, or, you know, you did a great job at a presentation and, you know, you were sweating it and it worked out really great. You felt good. Whatever it is, you know, the, the, the feelings are, are, are fleeting, like I said, right? Like you have those happy moments and then they're gone. But we can go back and savor them. So you can savor them in the moment. If you're being mindful, you can actually say, wow, look at that sunset. Like, let me just savor that like look at it for longer sit there for one more minute and savor it and basically milk it right milk that moment for all that you can get out of it in terms of joy but you can also just do this in your memory you can do it you can pull up a photo on your phone and look at the photo and just think oh wasn't that a great day like wasn't that an awesome time that we had and just the fact of doing that and doing it for 30 seconds that will bring you joy too. So gratitude and savoring are two very quick, very easy. Anybody can do them. They just bring you more joy and more happiness in your life. Yeah. I love, Alex, that you use savoring. And I'm thinking now, yeah. nobody ever talks about that, but just even the idea of, we've all had that delicious something in front of us. And I'm, I'm definitely a chronic faster eater. But when there's something so delicious that I just don't want it to go away and I will drag those last bites out for as long as humanly possible. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That is such a, an incredible distinction. I use a teaspoon when I'm eating, like, when you're, especially when you're having like a dessert that's really delicious. I get like the smallest teaspoon I can so I can really drag it out. Yes. <laughs> and it's that idea with other moments right that we can do that you can pull out like extract as much as you can from it it's amazing um and then just one more real quick which is more um it's a it's a it's a general life strategy but it's also very work oriented so i want to sort of touch on it too because you know work can be very challenging these days right some people are out of work some people are working from home and love it. Some people are working from home and just like are so over it, it's not funny. Or they're having to be out there on the front lines. They're in uncomfortable situations. I mean, work is a challenging situation for most people right now. And one of the ways that you can create 
more happiness and it's in the form of fulfillment is to maximize your time spent in flow. And what I mean by that is if your listeners aren't familiar with the concept of flow, it's very, it's very often called being in the zone. Um, it's when we experience like, you know, we're totally absorbed and uh, time just falls off the clock. We're just so in the zone of what we're doing that we're not really conscious of anything else going on. And in fact, you don't actually feel anything when you're in the zone or when you're in flow because you can't, you're just so absorbed, right? But after it, you do. You feel really good. Even if you're tired because you spent energy in flow, you feel really good about it. And it brings a lot more fulfillment and, and a form of happiness that is sustainable over time, right? Instead of these fleeting moments of, ooh, I'm really happy. It's like hedonic happiness. This is more like the good life happiness, right? Like uh, in science world, they called it, they call it eudaimonia, which is a really nerdy way of just saying like, this is a type of happiness that actually lasts. And mm -hmm. so no matter what your work is, you can look at it and say, okay, hey, what are the things that I do every day that put me in that place? Because we all have them, right? We might just might not be too mindful of them. So you can monitor yourself for like a day, a few days, a week, and really take notice of when, when does that happen for me? Like, what am I doing when I just lose track of time and I'm really absorbed? And once you figure that out, then the next step is, okay, how do I maximize time spent doing those things and minimize the things that, you know, are like nails down a chalkboard for me that, that steal my flow almost, right? And I'm not saying, hey, you just abdicate responsibility for aspects of your job. No, we're all going to have parts of our job that we don't love, right? We were, we were talking about that earlier too. I mean, that's a fact of life but you can find ways to minimize them, right? And if you have colleagues, you can even task trade on this yeah. so that you know, everybody's maximizing the things that they wanna do and you know, looking for opportunities to minimize the stuff that just like, oh, it's just the worst for them, right? And chances are, if it feels like that, it's not really a strength place for you, so you're not thriving, you're not even that productive when you're doing it. So, it's even benefiting the organization when people start to do this, to look for opportunity to be in flow. And then in some cases, task trade so that the stuff you don't like, someone else loves it. Well, shoot, like, then let's talk. How can we become a team here and, yeah. and you know, really make both of us happier and the work is more productive overall, right? Like the team is, uh, is the performance is enhanced, you know? So that's one of my absolute favorites. Um, especially if you're struggling with work right now or looking for another job or thinking that your job sucks, like look for ways to create flow in where you are right now and, and what you can do with what you have. I love that you acknowledge that Alex and drew attention to that I often will talk to people and when I work with teams about the handicap of titles and the, you know, we title, we put people in titles, which is basically a collection of roles or positions, right? And you may, you're really crapshooting that if that person's fully capable and enjoys actually executing in all those. But because it's within the constraints of the title, it's, we're not willing to pass it away. So I want to ask a question about leadership for you. Mm -hmm. And then, because I, I know you're, you're tight on time, and I want to be respectful of your time. I laughed earlier when you talked about going and buying the Jimmy 
the Jimmy Choo shoes because it's something that I think we can all relate to, right? How many times all of us have done that where we go and buy something, we're really excited, we get it, and then we buy it. And then it's cool for a little bit. And then all of a sudden it's like, I always talk about, you know, a bird craps on a brand new car, just the same as it craps on the five-year-old car. <laughs> right. And so then there's this, but there's this really like almost this diminishing return with it too, where the one pair of shoes has to turn into two or three pairs at the same time to be able to get almost, maybe not even as high of a hit of happiness. Mm-hmm. When you're incorporating this into leadership dynamics and somebody's in charge of a team and you have a team of people who are going and operating in on this idea of, I need to go buy the shoes to be happy. I need to go buy the car to be happy, whatever that is. How can leaders start to negotiate this terrain to bring in some of these individual exercises that you just shared with us to help them? I do. I mean, I guess, do you teach happiness and productivity dynamics as a team or is it an individual thing or is it something that the collective is working together so that they have that mutual experience amongst the team to elevate the team in that way? Well, D, all of the above, but it works best when everyone's doing it because it has an amplification effect, right? Almost like I was saying about those acts of kindness, right? When you do an altruistic act, it creates a ripple where other people start doing it. It's contagious, basically. Um, A good kind of contagion. (laughs) The type of contagion we want these days. Um, There's that word choice we were talking about. I know, I know, exactly. But yeah, so a leader can be instrumental, though, in basically setting the tone and encouraging people to do this and getting them in the habit of doing it, right? Because that's the other part is, you know, you have to make some of these things habits, otherwise they don't really work. It's the classic, you know, if I go to the gym for five days, I might see some impact and I'll be great, but doesn't mean like, that's it, I'm done, I'm gonna be toned for the rest of my life. No, I gotta maintain it, right? So same thing with this, um, you know, this is your mental health versus a physical health, but it's, it's built the same way by, little practices that you do over and over. So some things that leaders can do, and again, there's wonderful research on this in terms of the impact it's had on productivity of performance in corporations is back to gratitude. So there's examples of leaders basically sitting down and writing three to five cards every day to people, different people in their workplace Mm -hmm. and distributing those. And the ripple effect that created was crazy. So like, think about it. So if your team leader starts to send cards to people in the team, then if you're managing people, you're like, wow, I could do that too. You know, I could start to send cards like that, right? So there's cards. Um, You can also with your team, you know, everybody gets a gratitude journal. And, you know, we have a practice where, you know, every day, you record at the beginning of work or at the end of your day, if you choose, record the three things you're grateful for. Mm. Or start meetings where we don't start with, okay, here's the agenda. Okay, Jesse, what do you got on X? You know, Alex, what do you got on, like the classic way that a meeting goes? It's like, okay, everybody's here. Let's go around the room. I just want to hear one thing that you're grateful for today. And when you start to do these little practices, it has an enormous impact on people's psychological um, health and also how they're feeling about themselves, right? Because, and this is why the sort of, the happiness leads to productivity and performance equation works because you create an upward spiral. Mm -hmm. Okay, so 
you express gratitude to me, I feel good. And then that actually triggers cognitive power in my brain. So if I feel good, I'm going to be more productive. And I feel good when I express gratitude to you too. So it, like both people benefit. And when you've got a group, it's amplified further. But it's definitely, I mean, if your workplace is one where something like that isn't happening, certainly if you're not in a leadership position, you could suggest it. But it works really well if the leader is bought in, right? Or if the leader sort of starts the whole process and sets the example, because we all know how it goes when the leader isn't buying into something. Like it's like buying in your head up on the wall if you're in that that particular group, right? So, yeah, the leader is really important in that. And and there's other pieces too to this, right? Like how you speak to people, the language that is used, right? So using language that involves words like hope and love and forgiveness and mm -hmm. virtuousness, right? Like words that don't normally get used in the workplace and they might feel a bit weird at first, but when you start to bring those into the lexicon, it starts to change how people are interacting with each other. And it also impacts psychological safety too, right? So there's lots of little little things that leaders can do that can make a world of difference for themselves, but also the, the team or the organization that they are leading. Alex, before I ask my last question, where can people find you online? Sure. Uh, so my website is happinessatworknow.com. Um, you can go there. You can get my book for free right there. Just put your name and email address in there. I also have a podcast, which is the Positive Leadership Movement, and you can find that on all the usual platforms, Apple, uh, Google, Stitcher, somewhere else, I forget, but it's also on my website too. Um, and of course, I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook. Um, on LinkedIn, I'm just Alex Braddy on Facebook. It's happiness at work. Cool. And I'll, I'll make sure everything is online. It'll be in the links and everything. Thank you. Alex, I feel like we barely even got started today, and there's so much... <laughs> Ask. I know. <laughs> I know you have a tight time. So just with 30 seconds that we have left, when it's when it's appropriate, I really love to give people an actionable to take away. And I feel like you gave us so much great stuff today that it would be a great disservice if we didn't give people a tangible actionable they could walk away with and do it right away. So to so for everybody listening, watching right now. If you could give them one actionable to take some of what you've shared so generously today and immediately put it in action so they can start to see some positive results from it, what would that actionable be? Oh, good question. I think, um, oh, I'm going to give them two. They can choose though. You don't have to do both. Just pick one, okay? Um, if you want really simple, fast, do the gratitude piece. Start writing down or thinking or sharing with your family three things that you're grateful for. Like find the thing that works for you. If writing it down, just you don't enjoy that, then don't do it. Do it in a different way. Share it with someone, but start the gratitude practice because it's fast and you will get results pretty, pretty quickly from that. If it's a more work-oriented piece, I would say go for the, the maximizing flow. So your action item on that is to start monitoring this week. It's Monday, so this is perfect. You have all week to do it. Monitor when am I in flow? Like, what am I doing when I'm in flow? And, and make a note of it, right? And when you get to the end of the week, look at that and then figure out, okay, how can I start to craft my job 
maybe trade some tasks with people on my team so that I can maximize my time spent in flow next week and moving forward and create more joy and more fulfillment for me, but others around you will benefit too. Cause guess what? You're going to be a happier, nicer person to work around. So all of that matters too. <laughs> Love that. Everyone, my goodness, are we going to want to rewatch, re-listen, take notes and apply. You know, one of the things I've really learned to love and appreciate about doing this series is meeting people who you can tell are evidently passionate about what they do. And one of the marks I've begun to measure people by their passion and their congruency and their passion of what they do is their generosity and sharing. Something I really appreciate about Alex is she was so generous in her sharing today and it didn't stop when I try to set her up and say we only have a little time left and just give us one actionable, she goes with two. And I think that's such an incredible characteristic because it just shows that there's this, there's, clear there's this clear evidence of passion behind what she's doing and a congruency and knowing how much it could serve and benefit you. Whether you're the individual wanting to start a gratitude practice or you're the leadership working to incorporate gratitude amongst your team or doing some sort of thing where you're interconnected, and I love the idea of the upward spiral. Consider the gratitude, but also considering how you can teaspoon out your moments to savor them a little bit even more. I love that idea of just looking at the sunrise or looking at enjoying it as if you would a decadent dessert and just taking that time to savor. God, what a beautiful word to use for this. Getting out of the mentality of the Sears catalog, Christmas catalog of happiness and realizing that while you can buy shoes and it feels good for a moment, it's not sustainable. And most of us who are asking that happiness question, we're asking the happiness question because we realize that those temporary little buzzes aren't sustainable and we're looking for the, what's, what's gonna last? What's gonna be the thing that I can keep doing over and over again? That's gonna continue to level up my happiness. Alex laid out some incredible things that we can do, individual strategies and strategies we can do as a team. And I love that she empowered each of us, those of us listening and watching that you don't have to be a leader to be able to implement these strategies. Even if you're not in a leadership role, she gave you some things that you could take to leadership and suggest an implementation. And, and that speaks directly to what she was talking about with titles and looking at how we could trade out tasks and whatnot, right? What better way to start implementing that in your, your organization than to take something like that into leadership? Because it demonstrates a different level of service, a different level of contribution, a different level of of team presence and orientation. And who knows, your initiative in doing that may just carve out the role for you or create the role for you that you've been wanting to have in your organization all along. Alex, this has been absolutely incredible. Thank you so very much for being here and your generosity and sharing. I am so excited to rewatch and re-listen because I know that there are more things I'm gonna take away, but I'm gonna definitely make a promise to teaspoon out and savor some extra moments today because of this. Oh, thank you so much. You've been so generous and kind. And I am incredibly grateful to you for having me on this show, allowing me to share some of what I, yes, get very passionate about. <laughs> so thank you so much. It's been a, a, an absolute honor. Absolutely. We will see you next time, everyone, on another edition of A Handful of Hope. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you're finding value in these conversations, please rate and review on Apple, Google, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite place is to listen to them.